seconds. Hey, everybody, it's me, Mama D, and my guest tonight again is Mark Anthony, psychic lawyer. But I have made a cute little video. Hopefully, you like it, and let's go for it. Mark Anthony, psychic lawyer. He is the author of the award winning, critically acclaimed bestsellers, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. He is a world-renowned fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirit. Mark is an Oxford-educated attorney, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Mark is featured regularly on television, major talk radio shows, and in print media. Mark is a headline speaker at conventions, expos, and spiritual organizations such as the Edgar Casey ARE, the International Association of Near-Death Studies, Veil Symposiums, and universities including Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Mark Anthony is also known as the Psychic Explorer. Some in the media refer to him as the Psychic Indiana Jones, due to his extensive background in science, quantum physics, survival of consciousness and near-death experiences, history, archaeology, philosophy, and theology. One day, Mark will be lecturing in an Ivy League university about quantum physics, and the next, off to the mystical locations in remote corners of the world to explore ancient ruins and supernatural phenomena. <laughs> wow. Um, can I get a copy? <laughs> that is great. Yeah. My publicist. Yeah, that was <laughs> Thank I you. did um I, I co-host on another show called The Fox and that's why you'll see it up there over your head. Uh on Thursdays. And my ho the co-host uh she does these things and she's really good at it. So she kind of inspired me. So yours was the first one I did, and I think that was the best one I did. I was really proud of myself. So I said, Okay, I'm playing it. There you go. Bravo. Thank you. That was that was very, very nice. Thank you. Oh, great. The Haggis Hunter's here. Hey, Haggis. Um, we are, of course, live on Facebook and YouTube. So for those of you who are on YouTube, thank you very much. Subscribe. Haggis, subscribe. <laughs> I bet this one. I think it's a gentleman who, who has been visiting my show every so often on YouTube, which is really great. And I'm not sure if he's subscribed or not yet. <laughs> First off, thank you very much for coming on again um, today. And, I, and I'm grateful that you're here because today is Father's Day. Yes. And I think when we booked, I didn't, I, I didn't get to, it didn't click into my brain that this is Father's Day. But my husband is very happily sitting back with his, with his glass of gin and tonic and waiting for me to go make supper afterwards with his feet up on his poof and he's very happy. And so it's like, okay, yeah. And hopefully I didn't take you away from family today. Oh, th thank you. Um, I appreciate being here. And, you know, my, my family is very understanding because I'm on a couple shows a week and this is just sort of par for the course. So thank you. And uh, for everybody out there, all the guys who are fathers, happy Father's Day. And for everybody um, who has a father in this world, if you can't see him in person, please call him. It, it means all the world. And, and, for those of us whose fathers are on the other side, this is a day to honor and remember them. And, um, you know, it. any man 
can can biologically be a father, but not every man earns the title of dad. So make sure that uh, you let your dads both on this side and the other side know you love you love them. Yeah. As I said, uh, as of yesterday and today, I've been getting small little droplets of of messages from my father just to let me know that he's around uh when you have people who are on tv and i don't pay much attention to tv where it's words that would normally come out of my father's mouth i was like okay dad yeah i know you're here okay good (laughs) so my dad is gone and it's been quite a few years but i know he's always with me and and i don't look at it as sad so i'll keep him there you know it's you know mama d it's in our line of work, we know that everybody has a limited period of time in the material world. And, and I believe that there's a day we're coming in and a day that we're going out. And what we have a choice on is what we do with the time in between. And it is important for us to realize that when a loved one passes, that our relationship transforms from one of a physical nature to one of a spiritual nature. So even though dad may not be here and, you know, we all want to hug dad and, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, <laughs> have him criticize us for something or, or, yep. just, you know, exactly. just have a few laughs. The thing is, um, you know, being a dad is, is the, is next to being a mom is the most important job in the world. So thank you to Thanks. all the dads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. I mean, moms do a great job. no, no doubt we are, you know, we're great. Hello. <laughs> but, moms, um, moms are awesome. <laughs> thank moms you. Awesome. Make sure you get that one out there. Um, but I would not be half the mom I am without my husband to be the dad. So for me, it's, it's like, I'm grateful that, that, you know, I chose him. He <laughs> chose me. I chose him. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, for me, I wouldn't be able to do half the job that I do. You know, my heart goes out to the people that, you know, ideally we all have two parents, but yep. my heart goes out to, to the people, to the single parents who are struggling and raising them, you know, the single moms and also yep. there are single dads. Um, yep. I was going to get something, um, I, I was getting, um, a battery pack for, I've, I've got this cordless drill on the battery. Anyway, long story short. So I had to go to this fix it place and the guy that was working there, his little girl was uh, doing something on the computer and he said, now, Lily, you got to get back and do your homework. She goes, I don't feel like doing it. And I go, oh, is that your little girl? He goes, yep. He said, as soon as she was born, her mother decided she didn't want to be a mother, walked out. I've been with her, you know, every day. And it was fascinating to see a role reversal like that. Mm-hmm. You know, normally what we hear is, uh, you know, the guy runs off and, and leaves, leaves mm-hmm. uh, the mom with the kids. And I could tell that he was such a loving and a good father. And so um, I'm glad that we're, Mama D, that we're taking a few moments here to honor dads. Well, I think it's very important. And, and I think a lot of dads are given the short end of the stick when it comes to, like, divorces. Like, a lot of mothers will say, oh, I, I should get full custody. But there are a lot of dads who deserve, you know, there are some who don't, but they deserve the right to have the children in their life. Just because mom and dad don't get along, doesn't mean that, you know, they're not good for the children. You just, you have to look at it from, for me, you have to look at it from the child's point of view in that, in that respect. Is the other partner, are they both together? Very important in the child's life and upbringing. You don't have to be together. I don't have to love you 
to know that you gave me an amazing child, not you personally, but <laughs> you gave me an amazing child would be a long shot there. Um, and that we created this beautiful child. And you have to remember that. And a lot of, I'm not, nothing against lawyers and judges, but a lot of lawyers and judges go, man, can't do that job. But there are a lot of men out there that are doing amazing jobs at being moms slash dads, you know. Yeah, the one uh, um, thing I, I will say about millennial dads, they're really good. I have mm. noticed millennial dads, they are right in there. They are caring, loving uh, the babies. They're changing the diapers. They're, they're, they're playing with them. Um, and so this is a really positive change that I've seen. Yeah. And I was real fortunate because my dad, you know, he was a Navy SEAL. Uh, he was a NASA engineer. He was a real serious, no-nonsense guy. But he always worked right alongside with my mom, changing the diapers, loving us, playing with us. Um, no matter how busy he was, he always made time for me. And mm -hmm. I remember growing up how a lot of my friends, the only time they encountered their father was when they were getting disciplined or reprimanded mm -hmm. for something. Yeah. You know, my dad would do things with me. He taught me how to fish and how to uh, snorkel and how to you know, he would take my brother and I into the woods and teach us how to walk without making noise. And, he, you know, all these cool jungle things that uh, that uh, are with me to this day. Um, he taught me, you know, basically how to handle myself in, in a lot of situations. And we were talking about this ahead of time. Yeah, you know, I don't always necessarily consider myself a real mechanical guy. My dad was. You know, he's one of those, you know, guys you drop him off on Survivor Island. You know, he'd be like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he'd be like the professor on Gilligan's Island. He'd end up making an air conditioner out of a coconut or something, you know. Okay. And uh, send it to my house, please. <laughs> yeah, so so when we went down into quarantine, um, there was something that um, that that broke uh, around the house. And normally, before the quarantine, I probably just would have thrown it out and gone to the store, Walmart or Costco or someplace, and bought another one. Um, but since we weren't really supposed to go out. I sat there and not only did I fix it, but I improvised it, modified it, changed it. There's these sharp edges on it. I got a, um, a, a this file out of my toolkit and um, filed it down, made sure it was safe. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, dad. And, and it, it just, I remember getting teary eyed that I never would have been able to do this if it weren't for my dad. Mm -hmm. This is what he taught me to do things like this. And so for those of you who are parents, you know, realize that time that you take with your child, moms and dads, to teach him or her something, to spend that time with them. You know, for you, it may have been a 10 or 15 minute thing or maybe even just a minute. But for that child, it can last and will last a lifetime. Exactly. We never know what we learn. Um, Gina Banks, my co-host on Fox Den, says, my ex-hubby is an awesome dad. We just did not get along. And that question mark was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, and that, that happens too. And it's important. And, you know, I'm an attorney. I never did divorce work. Um, that's because all the attorneys that I know that did were so unhappy. They were just the most, you know, because yeah. all day long, you know, you're in the middle of other yeah. people's failed relationships, you know, and I, I did personal injury. I did criminal defense work. And for a while as a prosecutor, you know, it's like I knew that, you know, my clients were accused of a crime and not that they ever did it. Because <laughs> 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 they were my clients, right? <laughs> you know, okay. but um, uh, the thing is, though, you know, you're able to compartmentalize and accept that. And, and although, 
uh, it could be emotional at times, uh, certainly, but I was able to maintain a professional distance. But what I would see from attorneys and the firms that I was working with, how people will use the child as a mm-hmm. pawn in their legal battle with uh, their their ex-spouse, and that's wrong. And yeah. so, you know, don't do things like that. Realize, and like you said, Mama D, put the child first. Uh, the exactly. focus is on the child. If the two of you don't like each other, well, then you don't like each other. But don't sit there and, and badmouth mommy or badmouth daddy uh, to the child. It's true because in the end, and, and I have a really dear friend, and she, she went through this. In the end, the child figures it out for themselves. Um, she was, um, she and her baby daddy did not get along. And, and it was obvious, but she still left him to have connection with his son. And his, the, the father would call up and say, yep, I'm going to pick you up Friday at 2 o'clock. And this little boy would pack his bags and sit by the door and the father would never call up and never show, never call, never show up, never call and say, sorry, I can't make it. Nothing. He would just, Oh, I forgot. And, and her as the mom would just say, well, you know, maybe something happened. You know, he couldn't make it. Don't worry about it. There'll there'll always be an exit. She never spoke bad about him. But when that, when that young man reached, I think he was about 16 years old. My friend said to me, she says, he came into my into my room and said, Mom, thank you for not talking bad about him for all the stupid beep that he did. He says, I realize now what a butthead he was. But now that this young man has grown up and he's, he has a child of his own, he says, I will never be, even if we don't stay together to, to his girlfriend, even if we don't stay together, I will never be what my father was. I will do better than that. So, I mean, I think the kids these days, they learn out. They learn the truth in the end, no matter what, you know. And and you just have to give the kids a chance to, to figure it out for themselves and be the best that you can be a parent, whether you're the mother, the father, or whatever part. You just have to be the best that you are and give the kids the love and the attention that they need. I'm not sure if I'm going to read this one. Faye Williams. Hello, my new friend. This is just a note to say thank you for this connection to let you know that I'm wishing you all your dreams come true. Thank you very much, Ms. Williams. That was very nice. Uh, Yeah, very nice uh, people in your chat room. I I appreciate that. And, um, you know, know better. (laughs) <laughs> good, good. Well, also, if people um, have questions that they want to ask us about spirit communication, spirituality, or you know anything in general, feel free. Yes, and if you can put it in capitals, because then this way my little cat mind will see it better. <laughs> Small print. Um, okay, let's just do just to get rid of it. <laughs> see, I do have. <laughs> I was sitting there going. Oh my God, I booked him and I forgot to order a book. It's like, no, I have it. And You've it, written... it's dedicated to my dad. This one um, is? Yes. Uh, yeah. Evidence of attorneys dedicated to my father. And, you know, um, since we're on the topic of Father's Day, Perfect. one of, um, when I showed that to him and I opened it and I read it to him, I'm so fortunate because he, he was still, you know, he was alive and well at the time and he was, mm-hmm. you know, functioning really well. And then about, about two weeks before he passed and he had cancer and he was declining and we had hospice in there and, and evidence of eternity was released in French. And I got a copy of it and I showed it to him 
and I read in, in, in my really terrible French, I read the dedication and I said, now dad, people in France, people in Canada, people who speak French, now they know that you're the bravest man I've ever known. And, you know, and so I feel very, very blessed that I had that opportunity. Do you know how many languages your book has been translated into? Um, about um, both between both books, they're in French, Polish, Slovak, Serbian, Estonian, Romanian, of course, English. And I know I'm missing about three other languages. And no matter how many times I harangue my publisher, they can't seem to get it through their density to put it in Spanish. <laughs> Why not? And, and so pretty much every French. day I have people, you know, Spanish speaking people saying, when's it going to be in Spanish? So I always give them the name of the executive at the publisher and say, exactly. email him. So exactly. Exactly. Well, then we got a quick one in here. Um, a wonderful author and a well-written book. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. And if I have missed anybody's message, because I do not always pay attention to the chat room, that's me. Um, just type it again. Don't worry about it. Um, is there anything that you would have done differently to this date between lawyering and spiritualism, bringing them together earlier? You know, uh, that that's actually the first time I've been asked that question. So thank you. That's I, I love it. Somebody who who's she's always ahead of the curve. No, that's just nosy. Well, the reason I say that is that everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I think, well, I wish I would have just, you know, in, you know, gone public with this when, you know, right after law school or maybe even before. But I look at it as everything that has led me up to where I am right now is for a reason. Because now when I am able to speak about spirituality and when I lecture on the science of spirit communication, I write the books on how um, it's not magic or hocus pocus. It has a basis in quantum physics. I've spent a lifetime, um, not, as a law- not just as a lawyer, um, but but because I'm an attorney in the various cases that I've had from medical to forensics to complex uh, scientific uh, issues, it has put me in all these different disciplines in addition to my uh, in, inherent uh, love of archaeology, history, philosophy, and I've spent my life in the search for God. And what I mean by that is studying theology and mysticism around the world. And so I am right where I need to be right now. And I am the product of, of all of that. So, um, yeah, you know, it'd be nice, uh, maybe if it had happened 10 years earlier, but it didn't. And here I am. Ta-da. I've got a couple of comments in the channel and, and they're getting away from me. So Dave Price, who's, he was a regular in, do I get to torture often? Uh, my dad walked out on my mom after nearly 30 years of marriage. He died of leukemia five years later. He played up on my mom for a long time. What does he played up on my mother for a long time mean? I don't, I don't... I, he's Australian, so I'm going to uh, assume that it means that he was having affairs. Oh, I see. Okay. Maybe maybe that um, he could qualify or clarify that. Yeah, and also one of the things I 
the person you see before me, before you, sorry, is not the same person it was as I was growing up. Uh, you, <laughs> I, I was not very nice. I was a tomboy. I used to beat up on boys, and and I was, you know, not the same person. But everything that I went through in the past made me who I am today. So, Dave, I know you just like a smidgen, and I think that as as awful as that was, everything that about that made you the man that you are today. And he's a really good guy. As I can see, I'm gonna see if I can see. Um, where'd you go? There we go. And Kathleen Smith. Mark, I have read Evidence of Eternity, and I was especially touched by the part where your aunt warned your uncle not to go to work the day, and it saved his life. I am dearly, deeply sorry to hear what happened to her by the actions of her husband afterwards. It broke my heart for her. Oh, uh, Catalina, thank you so much for saying that. Um, yeah, my mother um, and my father really, really disliked uh, my my aunt's husband for that. And I remember my mom was like, I don't ever want him in our house. Um, and what people, you know, without giving away the story, um, it's it's a very moving family story in in Evidence of Eternity because uh when when uh, you did the intro video, uh, Mama D, and you said, I'm a fourth-generation psychic medium, this ability runs in my family. I'm both sides of the family. Both mom and dad had this. And my dad's sister, Marjorie, was also a medium, as was their mother, uh, my my paternal grandmother, um, Isabel, and my their grandmother, Grace. And then my mother was a medium, and her maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna. And my mother's family, they were from Italy. And in the Italian-American community, Giovanna, my maternal great-grandmother, was treated with the respect to do a mother superior of a convent. In fact, uh, nuns would come from Italy and she would house them until they could be assigned to convents. And priests, bishops, and even the Cardinal of New York City would routinely meet with her because she was known as the woman who knew things. And when PBS did a special on Italian immigrants called the Italian Americans in 2016, it was a two, two part special. They did an entire segment on Giovanna. And oh, nice. they, yeah, they referred to her psychic abilities. I know when, I'm, when my cousins call me and they, you know, so the whole family's all tuned in and we recorded it. And in the credits, they were showing pictures, um, and some in there, uh, were of my family. Uh, which is really quite amazing because millions and millions of Italians came through. And so on that side of the family, it was looked at as a gift from God. Whereas on my father's side of the family, while um, there were mediums in the family, it was in a very different environment. My dad's family was from Pennsylvania and they were Northern Baptists. In fact, uh, I had a great grandfather, great, great grandfather who was a Baptist minister and founded a church. And so my dad's sister, Marjorie, married this guy who turned out to be a religious fundamentalist and felt that her abilities were not from God. And I'm just going to leave it right there. If people want to find out what happens, um, get the book because, um, you know, I, I write it a lot better than I'm going to tell it today. <laughs> Editors. Well, <laughs> well, I spent a lot of time um, um, crafting and, and writing writing these stories because in my books, when you know, Mama D, when I was sitting in law school, 
and listening to that incredibly boring material. I mean, some of it was interesting, but trying to read books on civil procedure and property and commercial transactions. I mean, let's face it, if I couldn't sleep instead of taking a Xanax, you just read some of that and you'll be out in you know no time flat. And I remember saying that to myself, if I ever write a book, I'm never going to do this to anybody. So when I write a, uh, my books and I'm explaining, you know, the science of spirit communication, how this works, because it's not hocus pocus. This yeah. is based on sound scientific principles, frequency transfer, quantum physics. So I explain that and then I illustrate it with stories of real people. And some of those stories involve involve my family members, but most of the vast majority come from people I've encountered in my work as a medium because that's what makes a book worth reading is you've got to have those stories and it's got to put you right there. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're reading a book and you're just reading, it's like, it's like reading a law book, sorry, reading a law book. It's like you said, it's a book to sleep. You want to have something that sort of grab you and hold you in and bring you into the story and you feel like you're part of it. So yeah. I love that. Uh, we've got a question here. Gohar, I'm hoping I'm saying it's like, dear Mark, sorry to bring up a heavy subject, but is, but it is sadly very important. What is your views of suicide? Is it ever preventable? And is it ever the fault of the family? Um, actually, in Evidence for Eternity, and in my book, Never Letting Go, I address suicide at great length. Um, Evidence of Eternity, there's a, a chapter on suicide. It's a very complex subject because suicide is more than just self-inflicted homicide. It, mm -hmm. it kicks off, um, it affects everyone. I mean, all of us, uh, we've all been affected by suicide in some way. And we have to be very understanding of the person who did this. And it's difficult many times for us to put ourselves in that mindset. What happens with somebody who's suicidal? He or she is so unhappy and so tormented by their reality that they feel that they are in a form of hell and that there is absolutely no escape from this hellish reality other than cessation of consciousness. In other words, stopping their life to put an end to it. Now, for those of us who are not suicidal, it's like, well, how can anything be that bad? But then again, you're not in that mindset. In the example that I use in the book, and, and I think one that everybody can relate to, on September 11th, when the, the, the planes hit the, the Twin Towers, and the towers hadn't collapsed yet, and they were on fire, and we saw people jumping out of the buildings. And I remember being on the phone with my mother because uh, she called me up, and she goes, oh, my God, there's people jumping out. And I was like, what? And because and, and, uh, the Internet was locked up, and you know, it was a, it was a, a very you know, horrifying day. The people that were jumping out of the, the buildings, when they went to work that day, none of them wanted to die. But suddenly, they were faced with a choice of being incinerated by a fire or jumping to their death. So literally, they were in a hellish reality, and the prospect of being burned alive was so horrible that they jumped to their death, which is not really a choice I would ever want anyone to be faced with. But jumping to your death would be terrifying, 
but you would die on impact as opposed to being burned. Exactly. Okay. So taking that example, if we look at it from a person who is so depressed and so unhappy, as far as they're concerned, they're in that same situation. The question is, is it ever preventable? Well, that's why there are suicide hotlines because, you know, people that are suicidal feel that they're alone and that nobody cares. And what all of you need to realize is that there are people who care 24-7. There's professional suicide hotlines. I think every country in the world has one. So don't go through this alone. Reach out. Um, is it the fault of the family? It is very natural for family members to feel that they're somehow responsible and that they somehow could have prevented it. It's like, why didn't he call me? Why didn't she tell me? Why didn't, you know, and they didn't. And unless, you know, unless you took some affirmative action to lay some type of guilt trip on somebody or to do, to brutalize them in some way, I would say that 99.999% of the time, it isn't the fault of the family, but it's very normal for family members to feel a sense of responsibility. It's like parents who've lost a child. Let's say the child you know, um, died through no fault of the parent. The parent still feels responsible, still feels guilty, and still wishes he or she had superhuman powers like a superhero where they could zoom in and save their child at the last second and and who wouldn't who wouldn't want to do that but what we have to to realize and and accept and it's not easy is that many things are beyond our ability to control we are powerless to change the past we are powerless over the decisions of other people now perhaps we maybe can influence things but in the final analysis you and this is a blog um, that I wrote. Uh, if you go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com, uh, my blog sesh, um, section, there's a blog called Empowerment Through Being Powerless. And when you realize that there are certain things that you're powerless over, it is actually an empowering feeling that helps you to let go of those painful things in the past, like a family member committing or dying by suicide. Well, Last year, um, it's funny, I lost a very dear friend. And back in the day, I used to think suicide was a selfish thing because they didn't think about those that left behind. But I have come with age and wisdom. I've come to learn that it's not, has nothing to do with the rest of us that are left behind. This gentleman that I met, I knew him for a blink of an eye, a few months but he, he was on my show. He was a sweetheart. But he was hurting so badly that nothing... And, and he did what he thought everything he could do. You know, he, he spoke to people about it, you know, and, and he did all the, the, the... Everything he could think of, he did to try and help himself. But it just didn't alleviate the pain. And his was both physical and mental because he was he was an ex-police officer who had been shot multiple times, and that was the physical pain. And then a lot of the stuff that went through his mind, it was a lot of emotional. And he just, as I say, he chose his way out. He chose. And, and as hurt as I am personally and everybody else who knew him as hurt as we were personally, 
it is nothing it compares nothing to the, the pain that he went through and and i always say that he promised me real kentucky bourbon and it will never touch my lips because he's the one who's supposed to give me the bottle so when i meet him on the other side you better have that kentucky bourbon ready for me because i'll be very unhappy but i think we have to remember that like you said they are in so much pain and it's a pain that to us can, you know, okay, it's not so bad. It's just, you know, well, uh, but it's, we're, it's not us who's in that pain. It's not us who's living the, the physical, emotional and, and spiritual pain for some reason, some people. Yeah. We're not, we're not in that hell. I mean, yeah. remember when Robin Williams died by suicide? I mean, talk about a shocker, Robin Williams, yeah. a man who made everyone yeah. laugh. I mean, he had to be one of the most loved movie stars and talents of all time. I mean, you think about his career, Mrs. Doubtfire, the genie in Aladdin. I mean, you go on and on and he was just hilarious, but behind the smiles and behind the laughter was a um, pathological sadness uh, that, that he simply could not overcome. And then of course there were other from, you know, there's reports that, he had Parkinson's and other health conditions, and his con- you know, his physical condition was going to deteriorate. So, you know, just because somebody is is so funny in the life of the party, we don't really know what's going yeah. on. And and I think it's a, it it's an interesting thing that through Facebook, there's this post that keeps going around in different ways. You never know what's going on behind a person's smile, so don't comment or criticize, which is true because somebody may be having a really bad day and just put something silly on, on Facebook. And, and I'm going to use Facebook because we're on it. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's the most popular place to be most for most people these days. And you can't sit there and go, well, I think that's useless and silly because you don't know what that other person is going through, you know? So it's, it's like think twice before you make a, and, and, you know, I want to thank uh, the individual who, who put forth the question about suicide, because this is something that needs to be discussed, because there's always this stigma, yep. um, you know, religion saying you're going to hell. And, and, you know, even the normally tolerant Buddhists are like, you know, this is bad karma. And the reason that that um, religions have come down so heavily upon this is because the pain that suicide inflicts on people, the guilt, the remorse the regrets in, as I write about in Evidence of Attorney, my best friend that I knew since I was 11 years old died from suicide. Um, I have a cousin who passed from suicide. I can't think of anyone I know who has not lost somebody connected to them from suicide. Kills more people than car accidents. You know, you hear about car accidents, you hear about drug overdoses, but you don't hear about the vast number of people who yeah. have passed from from suicide. And suicide always suicide is a negative connotation. But it's for me. I've, I've thanks to to Jim. Um, I've learned that it's 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 a choice, and it's a, it's not an easy choice that they make. This guy fought with himself, and and as I go back over our conversations, I can see you know like where the little hints were for me. And, and I know there would have been nothing I could do. I was me and we spoke. I checked in with him every day. I bugged him and I teased him. And he sent me a message on the day of, after the fact of, you know, like when he knew I could do nothing about it, I couldn't call him and berate him. And and he said, I'm sorry. I love you. Goodbye. 
and and that was you know that was his choice and i can't i can't be angry at him for that you cannot be angry at the person who made their choice because they couldn't see any other way out of it you know like you said that the person chooses you can look at it too they chooses not to burn up and be in intense pain and just out the window and know that once you hit the ground you know, because of the height of the building that they were going to definitely be dead but they also chose their way to die instead of allowing the the how it happened how it began to be the end of their life they chose well well to, children to that are that are bullied um, yeah. Being bullied yeah. and social media creates ways uh, to be bullied. And I've seen that um, social media gives cowards a chance to be bullies. You know, how many times do you get on your social media people calling us demonic and and telling us that we're con artists and, and all the, <laughs> yeah, all this ridiculous nonsense yeah. that they wouldn't have the guts to say to my face, you know, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid. You know, I remember getting picked on and bullied, and then Dad was like, "You're getting picked on and bullied." Well, he was a Navy SEAL, so your son, you're going to learn how to fight, <laughs> you know. And and so, I, you yeah. know, because I had to defend myself, and I got a few black eyes. I gave a few, and then people backed off. You know, the thing about bullies is you have to stand up to them, um, or just completely, um, you know, remove them from your life. I mean, through blocking them on social media, yes. and not yes. from, you know. <laughs> And well, you got to always be careful what we say. You know, people say, well, you said to get rid of them. It's like, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, Don Mama, you said to bury him in the backyard. <laughs> we need to get rid of them. You know, it's like, no, no, not like that. <laughs> and, and Amy, thank you for your comment. Um, I'm sorry that uh, your ex passed uh, from suicide. It It does take us a very long time to understand these things. I remember when, when my best friend Billy died. And uh, it hurts so badly. It hurt so, so badly because, you know, it's like we met when we were 11 years old. Our birthdays were a week apart. I mean, we went through junior high school, high school, college together. We even traveled through uh, Japan and Southeast Asia together. Yeah, you know, it's like, how do you replace a friend like that? You don't, you know, I was lucky to have that friend and, and I'll never have another friend like that. Um, Catalina would like to know if you are taking any requested messages Uh, right now we don't like it's only a one hour show and we're pretty much halfway through it so I'm I'm not going to say yes because I don't think it gives Mark enough time to talk on a person's question so for right now I'm going to say no yeah, and the thing is, um, I'm on a lot of shows where I do readings because the shows, I mean, that that's what that's for. But um, what I want to do is for people who are, are tuned in, um, if you would like a one-on-one phone reading with me, which is as accurate as an in-person reading, please apply for one on my website, evidenceofeternity.com. And make sure you click on the phone reading. The contact mark, that's for um, show producers. Go to the phone reading, click on that, and please read the entire page, then fill it out, and my assistant will get back um, with you. But if you mention Angel Meadows or Mama D, okay, you got to mention, yes, you got to mention the host of the show, Angel Meadows or Mama D, then you will qualify for a reduced fee reading. And this is something that um, I want to extend uh, for Mama D for her kindness of uh, and the honor of having me. Uh, 
extending the honor of being on her show. So um, make sure you mention that. And because in, in a personal one-on-one reading, then I have the time to spend with you. And we're going to get more than one person coming through. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I am not, I'm not a medium. Okay. I got to say that right off the top. But the, when I hear my friends who are mediums tell me, and I sit there and I listen to them when they say they walk into a room and there are so many spirits around them, I would go, I'd be like, I, I'm, I'm already a cat when I see something shiny. So could you imagine me in a room with a bunch of spirits that I could actually see? I'd be like, oh, hello, how's it going? It, you, you, <laughs> you get used to it, but it, it is a trip. Um, but the thing is, we discipline, or I'm disciplined, um, to turn it on and turn it off. And and I have a, a real issue with these people that uh, feel they need to run up to somebody in a public place, you know, just because they're a medium. Um, we see this in a lot of these shows, um, which, you know, I've been on TV a lot and I'm very suspect of the credibility and authenticity. A lot of these readings where somebody's in a grocery store and they're picking out broccoli and someone's up, hi, I'm a medium, blah, 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 blah. you know, and it's like, uh-huh, you know, because there's a whole camera crew with the medium and, yeah. you know, you've got a three camera shoot. Okay. So there's three cameras there and you're getting close ups, perfect makeup, perfect lighting, perfect sound. What you think that just happens. If, if you think that does, then look, at a handheld camera of um, a wedding reception, okay? You know, or, or, or where someone's got their, their cell phone, and you see how it's jumping around and all this. But on TV, when you have all of that, and that, that incredible reading that lasted all of, you know, maybe 90 seconds, um, probably took about six hours to film because yeah. they got to get all the angles and this and that. Exactly. So, it's, it's, so it's like yeah, it's, it's contrived. Yeah, it's like carnival investigation shows. They, 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 crew goes out and they find she gets something. The the medium will get something, and then the crew will go in and say, "Excuse me, we have a medium outside, and she'd like to do, but we want to film it because you walked into a butcher shop. I can remember one show, and butcher shop and the pristine white suit, yeah, jackets. There's no butcher I know that has pristine white thing working schmock. There's the word I'm looking for, schmock." When they're working as a butcher, because it's a butcher shop, you know, there's got to be some. These were pristine white, so everything is is like you said. It's like one day's worth of filming, cut down and and edited down to like one hour, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that the TV mediums aren't real mediums. I'm just saying that you know, it, it's like it's funny when you watch a show like The Bachelor and they're in a swimming pool together and they're talking about their feelings. It's like okay, once again, there's a whole camera crew and they're in the pool with them. Okay, this isn't like, oh gosh, this is so intimate. No, it isn't. You got a whole camera crew there. So you've got lighting, you got sound, you got the camera person, you got the director. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and you got the production assistant. You know, so you got, you know, half a dozen to a dozen people there during this couple's romantic moment, you know, and so, you know, television, they may call it reality television, but it it isn't real. Okay. It's, It's been edited like because there are dry moments there are moments where they kind of look at each other you can hear the crickets chirping you know so it's just oh yeah it's like you know i'm on tv a lot and i'm doing a reading for somebody on tv and i'm going there's a woman coming through and i'm getting this 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 and this does that make sense and she's like no and i said okay um the young man that's coming through i described him and she's staring at me i said um, this is how he died, and she's staring at me, and I go, and he's giving me the word or the name cross, C 
across. No, no. And then they go, all right, we're going to a commercial break. So we're on a commercial break, and she's standing there, and her husband sitting next to her, and he goes, well, our last name is Cross. And I said, your last name is Cross. And the young man who feels like he's a son, oh, yeah, our son died. Okay, so your son's coming through and giving me his name, which is Cross. So, I mean, and the thing is, and then we go back on, and and the host of the show was great. She said, well, so on the break, you figured out that your name was Cross, and Mark was getting Cross, and that your son had died. And the person coming through saying, you know, my name is Cross, meaning your son's name. And they're staring at me going, uh-huh. She goes, Mark, why don't you go to somebody else? <laughs> you know, and it was nice about it. but And I also get it, though. Because yeah. I'm used to being on TV. I'm used to, to being in the public eye. And even still, you know, people, you know, we get nervous, okay? Yeah. I, but this, these are people who aren't used to being on TV or speaking in front of a group. And so what happens is they're like a deer in the headlights. And all of a sudden they realize I'm on a TV show. There's all these cameras, people, there's an audience and all this and all. They're like, no, no, no. And so they're so nervous they can't even recognize their own name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen that happen in court too. Can you please state your name for the record? I can't remember. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, and it, when it's your witness, it's that's, that's always frustrating. <laughs> that's not good in any way, shape, or form. I remember um, I did a reading, and for a woman, she called me, and I do I do oracle card readings, and um, she was like, "I'm nervous about coming. Is it okay if I bring a friend?" I said, "Yeah, as long as you don't mind that she hears whatever's in." She's okay, fine. So in the end, they both wanted a reading. So I did them. I said, at the same time or separately, and you're both in it. Yes, separately, but we're both in a room. So the first one, the friend was, it went off well, and she, uh, you know, got, I'd say about 90% of everything I gave her. And the second one, the first, the original woman that I was supposed to read for, she was like, nope, doesn't make sense. Then her girlfriend would be like, wait, do you remember? <laughs> she was, she was there, like you said, the, the woman was sort of like, struck because she had she had one thing in her mind she wanted one connection in her mind but i was giving her other stuff and she wasn't connecting to it but her friend thankfully like the husband thankfully was like okay wait a minute this is you know and so in the end you have you have your own person to give you that 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 boost of a memory and i think it's it's interesting that like you said some people just kind of like for me i go into a show and i'm like "Mm, i have no question it's like People go, but you must know how to answer. It's like, there's a way to ask questions, and I just can't do it. It's like, no, can't do it. Um, okay, we've got a couple of things here, and, and, and I don't read it, so let's read it together. Wondering why I was close to my mom. She transitioned way back before others who do come out during mediumship readings quite frequently. What are your thoughts on this? I am always, I always try to tell her that I welcome her visit but it is very infrequent. Is it more what spirit sees as what messages I need? Okay. Uh, okay. I have a lot to say on this. There's a lot of people who, without meaning to block contact, I call that the no, no, no syndrome. And for example, when I'm doing a reading for somebody, I tell people, you know, I'll say, I'm getting this, this, and this. Does that make sense? No, 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 no. I said, hold on. Be very careful about going directly to no, because what you're doing is you're flooding the energetic field with negativity. It's better in you're slamming the door in the spirit's face. It's better to say, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. I don't know just yet. All right. Yeah. 
and that leaves the door open. Plus, after the reading, there's the period of time where there, things begin to make more sense and unfold and be like, oh, that's what that was. So a lot of people, they say, well, you know, my loved one doesn't come to me and I want that person to come. I want, I want, I want energetically is the same barrier as no, no, no. And the reason for that is that you're putting angst into the energetic field without meaning to. So inadvertently and unintentionally, you can flood the, the, uh, the energetic connection with a negative barrier, which you need to lower that. And so, you know, say I welcome them to come to me. I invite them into to, um, uh, my dreams and to come to me and drop your expectations. And I know that the the, um, the person who wrote that said that, you know, I do invite her in. Well, that's a good start. Okay, continue inviting. Don't expect it. And that's when you'll start getting the connections. Exactly. It's like when you ask for people will be asking for signs and they'll be waiting for these big firework display type of signs and and they miss the tiny little things you know the song that's being played that you you don't think of it until you know like i, I want to hear from my dad and, da, 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 and i want to know that he's okay and, and then luther vandross dancing with my father comes on but you're not listening to that because you're looking for something else so you have to like stop worrying about the wants it's what you need in spirit and I love the way this one ends. Is it more as what spirit sees as the message that I need? I always say to people, you get what you need, not what you want. Right. And, you know, I had this guy come to me recently. It was a phone reading and uh, I didn't go through with it because um, I was trying to explain my process because before when I start a reading, I spend about 10 to 12 minutes explaining how I perceive information. It doesn't cut into the reading, but it's important for people to, to be warmed up. Because I have had a lot of readings, but you mediums can never get anything I want. And I want this and I want that. And why, I, 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 I. So it was all I, 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 me, me, me. And uh, I start doing the reading and he says, well, there's this one thing. And unless you bring it up, then I know you're not real. And I said, we're done. Okay. Yeah. Because there's one thing I need to know. Now, I want, I want, I want clogging the energetic field, interrupting me, being rude and disrespectful. It's like when people um, will say to me, well, you ought to do a free reading and you really suck because you don't. It's like, okay, so do you think insulting me, antagonizing me, and demanding something from me is going to motivate me to want to, to... to reward that type of behavior. Okay, the way I was raised, negative behavior, disrespectful behavior is not rewarded, okay? And I do a lot of free readings um, on on air, um, certainly at my public events and, uh, you know, but, but when you attack um, somebody, uh, their integrity, or how dare you charge for this, it's like, well, how dare you collect a paycheck? You know, yeah. how dare you um, get paid for for what you do? And, you know, people think, well, you have a gift from God. It should be free. It's like, yeah, well, I don't live under a bridge because this is what I do. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just like, um, you know, I, I love St. Francis. He was great and all that. And, you know, he, he essentially lived under a bridge and in the vow of poverty. And that's great. Uh, he also died at 42 from malnutrition and probably leprosy. But, um, but, but you know, people don't, you know, they, they need to understand that 
if I wasn't doing this, then I'd have to be doing something else to put a roof over my head. And it's the same thing with you, Mama D. Pro- people probably do that to you all the time. You know, I see people, oh, you know, you you mediums all want this money. It's like, well, some lady said to me, how dare you charge? You have a gift from God. And I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, I work in customer service at this department store. I said, well, that's a gift from God because you help other people. Um, she goes, I never thought of it that way. I go, could you give me your boss's phone number? And she said, why? Well, I'm going to call him or her and say that because you have a gift from God, you're going to work for the next eight years for free because it's a gift from God. Well, I can't do that. I have bills. I have children. I have this, I have that, and, and I don't. <laughs> yep, exactly, yeah. And the thing is what people don't realize, and they, they're at, some people ask for free readings, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I'm drawn when, I, when I'm talking to people, sometimes I'm drawn to give them a free one because I feel like it's necessary for them. That, but that's not something you want to, okay, well, I gave out three free readings to them. We're not going to advertise it. It's just something that, you know, it's it's like paying for the coffee for the person behind you. You don't, well, I don't advertise it. Well, I do, but you know, cause, but, but I won't go. Hey, I paid for your coffee. You know, you just pay for the person's coffee and you go. Yeah, you don't do it. You don't go around like me, me, me. Or when the people say, "Well, give me a free reading," and then you can pay it forward, and it's like I have a better idea. Pay for it. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's you know, don't try to guilt trip um, somebody. Because the thing is, you know, our time is is everybody's time is valuable. Everybody's what no matter what you do. I remember I was in Times Square in New York City. It was during the day and I was with my manager, Rocky. She travels with me when I uh, go on speaking tours and we were standing there and there was this guy. He was cleaning up um, the stuff next to us and we started talking to him and he was one of the um I guess he's employed by the city of New York, uh, New York as a sanitation engineer. And I said, well, thank you for what you do. And he looked at us and he says, nobody's ever thanked me before. I go, well, look at this place. I go, it doesn't just magically clean itself. Somebody's got to do it. And he said, in all the years I've been here, no one has ever thanked me. And, you know, Rocky and I were like, well, we're thanking you. And, and he was a really nice guy. You know, he had kids. He was telling us, you know, about you know, that. And uh, I said, so what's it like on um, January 1st after New Year's Eve? And he rolls out. He goes, you can't even begin to imagine. He says it's like a foot deep in garbage, you know. And um, but but, you know, what he does is a gift from God and it is valuable. You know, people overlook that or look down your nose at somebody. Oh, he does that. Well, somebody's got to do it. And yeah, yeah, exactly. We have Joni Ramos. I think you've kind of answered it, but I'm going to get it up here anyway. Are you able to read people without being around that person? Uh, the continuation is like on the phone or FaceTime. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, as I explained earlier, if you want a phone reading for me and you go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com, click on the phone reading tab and uh, make sure you mention Mama D or the Angel Meadows show. You'll be um, eligible for a reduced fee reading. And yes, I can do readings over the phone because spirits are pure energy. And they move at the speed of light because on the most basic level, everything is electromagnetic energy. And this is part of what I explain in my lectures and in my books. So the spirits move essentially at the same speed as the phone call, which is the speed of light. So they're zipping back and forth between us. And people say, well, that sounds far-fetched. But then think about what's happening right now. 
Okay, I'm on a computer that's beaming a transmission up to a series of satellites to Mama D, and it's beaming back from her, and then it's beaming to other satellites and to all of you at the speed of light. So spirit communication uses God's technology, which doesn't require a network of satellites. Exactly. It's energy. I put the little late, but evidenceofeternity.com is scrolling across the bottom. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I had them all set up before, but uh, I made a mistake and deleted them all. <laughs> I'm so good. At least I didn't delete the video, which I'm going to send you by email. Um, okay, we got a couple other questions. Uh, okay, first off, <laughs> interesting perspective. Never thought of the TV ones that way from Haggis Hunter. Well, thank you, Haggis Hunter. I've actually had Haggis when I was in Scotland. Um, the Scots are fun. Um, are. I, oh my gosh, I've had so much fun with Scots. Um, it, it was it was funny. It was at Arthur Finley College in England for the advancement of psychic science, and the Scots are like they're, you know they're all sitting with us. And one of them he goes, "I can't stand the English." I go, "Why?" He goes, "And the French either, for that matter." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Why do you think a thousand years of their beep, <laughs> you know?" <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay, and haggis again. Everything is energetic, is an energetic exchange. Money for food, readings, bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, then, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, dude, we only have three minutes left. That went by so quickly. It did. Um, with, with this COVID thing, I know that uh, a lot of stuff has been canceled. Do you have any shows coming up that people can tune in and watch you or? Yeah. Well, if, if I'm inviting everybody to visit my website, evidenceofeternity.com, please sign up for my newsletter. Um, also on that page, you can you can find my calendar of events because I've got many shows coming up. Um, I know I'll be having some webinars uh, coming up as well. And a number of the shows that I'm going to be on will involve me taking calls from listeners and doing readings on air. So, Go to evidenceofeternity.com and kindly subscribe to my newsletter I, um, and follow me on Facebook. You can, you know, everything when you go to my website, it'll take you to my YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Um, please follow me on all that to keep up to date. And I, I really appreciate it. And uh, book number three is in the works and hopefully will be out in 2021. Okay, cool. And I will get a signed copy of this. You absolutely <laughs> will. Okay, um, just a quick one. Hopefully, maybe in 2021, I can rebook you again. It's the second time I've been. And we'll make it a reading show. We'll make it last a little longer. We'll see how it goes. Not promising anything to anybody right now. But think about it. 2021, it's a few months away. I'm already booking for November in this show. So maybe next year. We'll see. Thank you. You've never said no. Very few people can say no to me. Not for long, anyway. <laughs> All right, everybody, I thank you very much for tuning in and making Mark feel very welcome. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I'll see you next week, Mark. I thank you very much for this and the gift that you're giving all of my my listeners of the, the discount on the readings. Thank you. Most welcome. And to all listeners, keep tuning in to Mama D. Namaste. Have a happy Father's Day. Thank you. Namaste.